Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of If I'm Honest with Julia Landauer. Today, I'm sitting down with Jamie Schmidt, who is the founder of the brand Schmidt's Naturals and is known for modernizing natural personal care products and bringing them to the mainstream market. Under her leadership, Schmidt's grew into a household name and after seven years was acquired by CPG giant Unilever. She is the author of Supermaker, Crafting Business on Your Own Terms, a personalized guide on how to put your business on the map, turning your passion into profit. Jamie is also an investor and co-owner of Color Capital, a fund that invests in consumer products and emerging technologies. Most recently, Jamie co-founded BFF, a branded community that provides access and education in Web3 for underrepresented groups, which has since been acquired by Boss Beauties, a media and entertainment brand that inspires the next generation of women and girls. And they were also my primary sponsor on my debut NASCAR Xfinity race in July of 2022. So lots of cool tie-ins between myself and Jamie. But this is the first time we've really sat down and have a conversation. And it's really fun. We we ju- jump into some of her background with Web3 and how she got into that more tech space. We talk about consumer packaged goods. We talk about her learning experiences as an entrepreneur. We dive into pickleball, a sport that she's very passionate about. And then the conversation kind of turns and we talk about me and racing and explaining what racing is and how it's how it's very physical and the team dynamic. So it's a really engaging back and forth conversation, really hitting the ethos of if I'm honest. And I'm so excited to be able to share this conversation with Jamie Schmidt with you. And as a quick episode note, I realized while editing that we use the term Web3 a lot, but then don't define it until a little bit later into the episode. So I want to you know, define it for you that Web3 is a term that's used to describe the next iteration of the internet. And it's one that's built on the blockchain technology and it's controlled by users. So it changes the ownership structure. And it's an idea that incorporates decentralization and token-based economies. If you heard about NFTs, especially in 2021 and 22 and earlier this year, that was all based in Web3. So just wanted to take a minute to roughly define Web3 for you as we get into this conversation. Jamie, welcome to If I'm Honest. Hi, Julia. Thank you for having me. Well, it has been so fun to read more about you and learn more about you. And for our listeners, I was introduced to you back in, I want to say, February of 2022, when you had launched BFF with your co-founders. And BFF is a community and brand that's focused on Web3. And there was this launch event, and I was listening to you and to your co-founder, Britt, and I was just really, really enthralled by everything you were talking about, but then also your presence in particular, I found quite striking and I was intrigued and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to learn more about this woman and did a deep dive, which we'll get into, but um, BFF is how we know each other. And so it's really cool to get to sit down and chat with you. Thank you. Yeah. I love that you're a part of that event and that, you know, we got to know each other a little bit since then, just through some DMs and things. So super excited to talk to you. Yeah. And social media is so powerful in that regard. So it's really cool. So I do want to start off actually with BFF because a bunch of my followers are also in Web3, Web3 enthusiasts. And 
with BFF, it was really an attempt to help bring more women and non-binary people into Web3, correct? Like that was the ethos of what we're doing. So what compelled you to jump from consumer packaged goods, which we'll get into in a little bit, into the Web3 world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I haven't abandoned CPG by any means, so it's still very much um, of interest that, you know, and at the heart of a lot of what I do. Uh, but I was really intrigued by Web3 and what it offered to the consumer space. Hmm. Uh, that's how I really first got into it. Uh, I realized, you know, in terms of consumer rewards and tokenization, you know, all the opportunities there for brands, uh, but there was like really huge potential. Um, and so that was kind of what kickstarted my interest. And then uh, just recognizing, you know, but like any other industry or any other kind of, you know, moments in, in history, um, you know, women tend to get left behind, right? If we aren't, um, you know, being mindful of making sure we're, we're learning, you know, at the same pace as men and taking advantage of the opportunities available. And so I saw that opportunity to create BFF uh, with my co-founder, Britt. Um, she historically has done a lot of work with uh, women and entrepreneurs and uh, we just really clicked and had a lot in common in that regard. So we knew that together we could create something huge and, you know, had a, a skill set that complemented one another. And um, yeah, we, we, I think we succeeded. You know, we, we started with the, um, the kickoff event that you mentioned uh, that was in early 2022. Our goal was just to really just give, you know, the basics of what Web3 really even means. You know, why should people care? Um, you know, what, what is crypto and, and, you know, why, why should people be interested in it? What does it mean for different industries that we work in? And so, um, with that event, we, you know, we covered those basics and, um, gave away free NFTs to, um, everybody that attended. So that was the first for so many women, which was really cool. Um, and then helped them set up their first crypto wallet. Uh, you know, many were so, so new to it. And I, I too, right. Like I was not a self-proclaimed expert in, you know, Web3 and crypto, but I was learning alongside my community. And that's what made it really cool and fun. Yeah. I mean, like most industries, but then also tech industries being male dominated is such a big thing. And what I really loved what you just said about BFF was that everyone who attended got an NFT. And so much of the barrier to entry, I think, is having the confidence that what you're investing, either your time or money in, is is that worthwhile, right? And so you guys clearly established that it was, and it was really, I feel like gave everyone a really solid ground to build and learn with you guys, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah. Thanks. You know, and our our biggest goal was just to make sure that people understood it, you know, and not I mean, our goal is never to like encourage people, you know, to invest all your money in Bitcoin or crypto or whatever. It's more like these are the opportunities. These are the things you should know. Like if you're at a dinner party, for example, and the topic comes up, like what what are the basics and just like a you know a level of understanding that you feel comfortable enough to to get by and to you know keep an open mind around opportunities that do come up. Yeah, and yeah. something that I found personally is that I consider myself a competent person. I consider mm-hmm. myself smart, but I was pretty nervous getting into Web3 and learning from the ground up and learning how a crypto wallet works, how you transfer things, how you have a hard wallet and like safety around Web3 and crypto and everything. And so one thing that I found, you know, months into learning months way before I met uh, you guys in BFF was how proud I felt after I felt like I had not mastered, but gotten quite comfortable and literate in Web3. And so I think that that's a nice thing that I'm, I heard other people and saw on X, uh, other people talking about is like being nervous about it, but then working through it and gaining that confidence. Yeah, that's true. Like everything in life, right? Like even I think back to like my early days as my entrepreneur, my first business and just like taking the leap and like trusting that you can figure it out. You know, like I, there's no like script to what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur. And so you just kind of have to jump in and have the patience and like determination to to figure it out. Yeah. And I think I, I have to assume that something around currency and finances can make things a little more stressful. Yeah. So I mean, that was something that I was just I was really proud of the community as a whole for jumping into that and tackling it and clearly yeah, sure. building such a cool community that that, you know, is thriving today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And so piggybacking off of that, big news and where we're definitely connected is that 
BFF was acquired by Boss Beauties recently. Uh-huh. And first, congratulations. That is so exciting. And for listeners, Boss Beauties is another Web3 and women's empowerment community. And they were my primary sponsor in my debut NASCAR Xfinity race. So we put a Boss Beauty PFP on the hood of the car. We had another um, NFT community garage XYZ on there. And it was just so cool because it really was the first time that you know, a Web3 group had sponsored a NASCAR driver, which was, I was so cool. It was so, so cool to do that. It was so amazing. I love that it was like a a woman driver in a woman organization, right? Because it could have, it could have gone the other way. (laughs) Totally. And and later that year, we saw that. So I was like, we are the trailblazers. We are the pioneers. I'm curious how that came up. Like, did you initiate it or did they come to you? Yeah. So I had met Lisa years ago through my mm-hmm. social canvas, which another, you know, yeah. social, socially focused um, startup and helping to mentor girls. So I had known her for a little while. And then she had told me that they were launching, I think in September of 2021 is what it was. Mm-hmm. And it didn't quite work out to get involved then. But as I got into the Web3 space and we stayed in touch and, you know, I I really admire Lisa and Anthony and the whole team they have. And yeah, um, I went to them in the early spring and I pitched them because we had had enough sponsorship from the car focused NFT group to go racing. And so we were trying to get that primary sponsor to really get us over the edge. So I was nervous, but I I pitched them and they said yes. And I remember I was actually on vacation in Hawaii when we were finalizing everything and finalizing what the suit would look like and what the car would look like and keeping everyone happy. And I was working with my agent. So yeah, I pitched them and they came on board and it was really incredible. It was cool because my suit was designed to look like the suits for the race car driver BBs or Boss Beauties. And there are 106 race car driver boss views, which I thought was super cool because that wasn't that representation wasn't there when I was growing up. So yeah, yeah, so that's the long story short of how it came came together. So I'm a big fan of them. And they've obviously grown a lot. So yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I remember being like slightly like jealous that you know, yeah, (laughs) how did they get her? And that's, that's so fun. Yeah. And it was it just totally makes sense for the brand. Like, it was just the perfect, perfect match. So I love it. It was really cool. And they got to come out to the track and, you know, oh, going nice. to a racetrack, especially NASCAR when they're on an oval, because everything yeah. is, you know, so tightly packed together on the infield. One, to be able to share my passion for the sport that I love, which, you know, I've always loved that it's a technology centric sport. And, you know, yeah. that's that's a big part of my brand. I like human machine interaction. So to be able to share that world with with the boss beauty team and they got to see the little girls who were excited to see a girl racing. Like it was just, it was a very special race for a number of reasons. Um, and the car was beautiful. It was a bright yes, blue and yeah. pink and yeah. even people like in the racing community who were not familiar with any, like with web three or with, with boss beauties, like they, everyone was like, damn, that's a good looking car. Yeah. So good. If I had a podcast, I would interview you about your racing career because I think it's fascinating. But oh, thank you. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, there are so many similarities. I think across industry, as you mentioned, like you know, yeah. whether it's entrepreneurship or Web three finance racing, mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities. And you know, something going back to that fear discussion was like something I realized only recently is that my entire racing career has been kind of a repeating cycle of leveling up being Mm -hmm. terrified, the cars are fast, you know, you have to be on the limit. So being scared, and then pragmatically working away at it, pushing the braking zone a little bit, getting on the gas a little quicker, and then mastering it, and then having to level up again. So I feel quite lucky that my entire life since I was 10, I've been proving that I know how to get through scary things. And that's what I try to share in my keynotes and the podcast, because it's... You, you know what? You're not the first person to say that. Yeah, I really, really, yeah. I would love to read about just like like who you compete against and how you got into it and like what makes for a good race day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that good stuff. I will let you know as soon as that yeah. book comes to life. And if you ever get a podcast, you let me know. We'll yeah. sit down and chat about it. <laughs> Getting back to to Boss Beauties, I think. What are you most excited about with this acquisition? Yeah, moving forward. The team. I mean, the team itself is just so inspiring and so motivated and um i knew that from the first time i had talked you know specifically with lisa just the things they have in the pipeline like big big dreams and big goals and you know they might not all come true and you know but but some of them will and i know it um 
And I think, you know, BFF, we've done amazing things. Education has been at the forefront of our plans. And we were at a turning point where we thought, okay, you know, what's next for us? Obviously, the industry has shifted. Uh, You know, cash flow starts to get tight. Um, We didn't have any funding ever, you know, and we had given away basically the whole first collection of NFTs. So we didn't make any money over that. Um, We had some funds from the U sales. It was Mm -hmm. a secondary collection we had. Um, but you know, we, we knew we needed money and we thought, okay, do we want to raise capital? Do we want to try to partner up with somebody? Do we want to go through, you know, the thing where we're getting partners for some initiative, but we had really wanted to figure out what that meant and realized we could do more, you know, in partnership with somebody that had similar mission. Right. And so Britt and I, my co-founder were, were very strategic and intentional around like who we wanted to approach for this. Um, so it was us approaching them. Cool. Uh, which generally is the opposite, right? Like usually the acquirer will come after the uh, company they want to acquire, but we had a plan and we said, you know what? I think that we should be together and we proposed it. And then we were, we talked for a good six months, uh, which is a long time, especially considering, you know, web three things happen fast. Right. Um, and so six months of conversation and negotiation and brainstorming and, uh, and came to an agreement that everybody was happy with and super stoked about, you know, reaching more people really together. That's so cool. If you're comfortable answering this with those kind of negotiations at that stage with the two companies, is that something that you're doing in person or is it your team that's doing it or like, because knowing now knowing most of the players involved, I'm just so interested into that dynamic. Yeah. Well, it was me and Brad, you know, we're the co-founders of BFF. Our team was small. You know, we didn't have a really anybody that seemed, you know, appropriate to, to be making uh, those negotiations on our behalf. Uh, but we had, you know, a team of attorneys and accountants and things that, right. of course, had a hand in it. Uh, but it's funny, I never met uh, Lisa in person until just a week ago. Oh, um, okay. Zoom and phone. I had seen her on other Zoom calls, you know, before we even began these discussions and very much knew, you know, of, of her and the team um, from being in the space. But Hadn't even run into her at any like NFT events over the years, which was mm. interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we, we spent some time together last weekend, finally. So that was really cool. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing what you can do, you know, over phone and over email and over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. what I find really cool in the beginning of what you just said is that you asked and you made that first move. And that's another thing that I think is really important, especially for young people starting in their careers and yeah. women in, in particular, like always ask for what you want. I think like waiting to have other people make the move, whether it's an introduction or a Mm -hmm. partnership opportunity, like I'm all about pitching yourself. I think that's so important and doing the research. You got nothing to lose. lose. I mean, literally like you were, we're used to hearing no all the time anyway. So it's like, and even if it's a no now, it's like a, it's something that's in their head. And even if they say no now, they might be thinking about it and come around again later. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with Jamie Schmidt on If I'm Honest with Julia Landauer. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers pots and premium soils to 
bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. We are back with Jamie Schmidt on If I'm Honest with Julia Landauer. So in researching you and learning more about you, I came across your book, Supermaker, which I read and I enjoyed a lot. I learned more about kind of the nitty gritty of entrepreneurship, but then I also really really related to a lot of what you talked about because of just how vulnerable and honest and straightforward you were with a lot of the stories you told. And so my question is, did that kind of real talk and honesty and vulnerability, has that always been something that has come naturally to you? Because it feels very natural in your writing. Or is it something that the written format like allows for a little better? Or like, how how did that come about? Well, I don't love, first of all, I don't love talking about myself. Like if you have, if I'm in a social situation, I tend to like push the conversation to somebody else, ask questions about them. I just like, I don't always love being on the spot. So it's interesting to think about it in that way. Uh, I think it was, you know, just being in the zone and like telling my story and realizing how much I could help other people. Um, it was just the most natural way for me to tell it was, the, you know, in the most honest way, because I started literally from nothing. Right. And I, you know, I had never been raised. I wasn't raised in a, you know, an entrepreneur household. I, you know, didn't have tons of money, you know, for my parents helping me out or anything like that. And so I, I realized that like, I really like went through a lot and worked really hard to, to, to make it. And so I think just in reflecting on that story, um, I was compelled to just be honest and to let other people know like, Hey, you can do this too. And, uh, my goal in writing the book was really just to inspire other people and to let them know that you know it, it, you're gonna you'll learn as you go you'll you know, you'll acquire the skills that you need um, and yeah there are a lot of vulnerable moments of being an entrepreneur I think it was also like I was at a point where I thought you know what I've got nothing to lose <laughs> <laughs> I, I built the brand you know I sold it and you know fortunately now I'm in a you know comfortable position you know financially and there's a lot more security than I've ever had in my life and so I think you know part of that was is a comfort right like what could I lose by being honest and you know upfront about things and um, you know in the in the process of that hopefully help some people can you remind me what year you started yeah it was 2010 that I okay. first when I first started making products and selling at the farmers markets looking back so in 2010 i had just graduated high school and so i think the whole cultural landscape especially for women women in business was quite different and like now i think that there there's a lot of transparency vulnerability people showing like the behind the scenes of different businesses and different yeah. support groups and everything did you not that like you need this but did you feel that that there were those bigger social groups of support back then that at least I'm seeing today. Yeah, I think at the time I didn't realize how special and important that group was. Um, but I did have a community of other people who were makers and entrepreneurs. So I started the business in Portland, Oregon, um, and it's there's a huge community of artists and creators of you know across all different types and all different mediums. And I made a lot of friends that way. You know, at the farmers markets, I w- went to a lot of um, like craft shows and art shows and things and sold my products there. And so I started to make friends that way. And so, you know, always had some people to bounce ideas off of and to talk about our challenges and things. Um, but again, not really realizing, you know, how special that group really was. I think now it's harder. People are, especially like during COVID years, right? Like less connected in person, leaning more on online relationships, which of course are incredibly valuable too. But I, I, do, I do truly appreciate having those like IRL, you know, real true relationships back then. It seems like, especially in the learning process, that's where that can be really valuable for experimentation, which obviously you did quite well and like it all worked out. But I think of, you know, young people nowadays, like, I feel like there's a lot of information out there. Some of the things you have to think about and even on like a gritty level of how to set up a company and like all that technical stuff um, to all to building it out. Can you go into a little bit 
what it was like from because what I remember from the book is that you know your husband was pretty involved in this process yeah. as well. And so what that was like working with your partner yeah. in a business. I get that question a lot. I so my husband and I met at a job, right? So we've always had like work as part of our history and part of our That's such a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it when I was reading yeah. it. It's always it's like built into who we are. Um which brings challenges on in its own, right? But so yeah, I started the business basically on my own. It was more of a hobby at the time. He was doing, he had his own things going on. And um, but a couple of years in, you know, I realized eh, it might be good to get a little help. And he was, you know, naturally very curious and interested and had some skills that I didn't. You know, he helped build a website. He was um he's a marketer and you know, um was really good with um figuring out how to set up our online sales strategy and things like that. And so he came out at the right time, you know, but we also had to make the hard decision of like him giving up his job to, to fully commit full time. And that took took a few years before we did that. But once he did commit, then we were like all in, right, as a family and really depended on the business success. And so it was it's a great, you know, it's it's amazing to to have your partner with you to, you know, be very again vulnerable with um and to not have to put up fronts, you know, mm-hmm. to be to be real, but also at the same time. It's amazing to work together because we could talk about business whenever we wanted, right? At the dinner table, when we first wake up and things like that. But at the same time, you know, that that brings its own challenges and, and stressors. Uh, so I think it was all about just having boundaries, uh, you know, recognizing that as much as the business was a huge part of our lives, it wasn't the only part of our lives. We were also new parents, you know, so we had our child uh, who's the same age as the business because I started it when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great. If you can make it work, you know, I think it's it's wonderful and beautiful. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, knowing um, your strengths and your weaknesses and being willing, you know, to, to lean into one another and, and admitting what you don't know. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think I think that's important, like whether it's professionally oriented or personally oriented yeah. with your partner and like, sure. you know, being just being transparent of like wh- what you got and what, what you need help with. Yeah. And, yeah, no, it's such an interesting dynamic. And I see like with with my husband, I think it'd be so cool to work together. And we're not at that stage yet. But mm-hmm. I think it's something that could be really cool. Question when you mentioned boundaries, do you are you the type of people are you, you both the type of people where you need to set okay, like now we are not going to talk about this? Or do you like meaning work? Or were you always like more fluid and just kind of like, you talk yeah. about what you need to talk about when you need to talk about it? Or fluid. Yeah. yeah. If something, you know, big was happening at work, it just naturally consumed us. Um, but if it's a little more low key, we would you know, take advantage of that. Uh, but there were times when I think we would just have to like say, let's stop, you know, <laughs> laying in bed at night and trying to like talk through something and realizing, okay, this is like, this isn't healthy, right? It's right. Just, just like relax and, and go to sleep and then, re- you know, <laughs> try again tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Right. Cut your losses, <laughs> get some sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of, kind of tangentially related. Um, I I had been interviewed a few months ago by a high schooler. And she had asked me in these written questions, if if I was entrepreneurial as a teenager, and I had never thought about it from that specific lens. And like for racing, I realized I, I had been, you know, I was aware that racing would always be expensive, and my parents wouldn't stop paying for it eventually, yeah. right. And so I'd have to get sponsorship, I'd have to market myself. So I realized that it was kind of embedded in what I was doing. But I wouldn't say that I would have voluntarily become entrepreneurial, but rather the sport that I loved and the passion that I had for racing kind of forced it. Do you do you think that you were entrepreneurial as a teenager? And like I never like would have described myself that way back then. But looking back on it, I see little trends and signs that I had it in me. I started babysitting at a really young age, I think around 13 and took it very seriously. You know, I um, would save, you know, half of my money and the other half I'd, you know, in my pot to spend and reward myself. Um, a lot of that comes from my, you know, parents' encouragement, but um, but I was always very organized with um with things. Like I also had a lemonade stand at a very young age and I had created these beautiful marketing materials and uh, would take them around the neighborhood and pass them out. It was just like, just very, um, yeah, very kind of like type A, I guess, in the way I was like planning all my entrepreneurial things at a young age. And even at like my my uh, grandparents would always have garage sales up in Northern mm. Michigan. And I'd have my little table and my own little bank account and sell my toys, you know, and kept it separate from my parents' things. And um, so it definitely had it in me. But I also like when I started college, 
And I chose business as a degree. I just chose it because I didn't know what else to do. But I, I literally would describe it as like the most boring thing. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's entrepreneurship. Who needs it? Who wants that? That's, you know, I want to do something like more creative and interesting. Um, and then later in life, you know, realize that that is like the coolest thing you can do is start your own business and be an entrepreneur. And like, that is like a form of art in itself. And so, yeah, it takes a while to figure it out. Like if you have it in you. And again, I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family. So I didn't have that, that sort of inspiration or encouragement. And, yeah. Um, very nine to five, you know, kind of family structure. And, yeah. 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 Well, and it's, 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 I think it's tough too. Cause like, I feel like there are some things that like any person can like be entrepreneurial about. Right. And just like yeah. you, it's part of what you have to do to be successful at what you're working on. And then other things that might not require the same, the same efforts and skills. And so mm-hmm. I don't, that didn't quite make sense. I might. No, it doesn't make total sense. And I think that like, we're all like entrepreneurs of our lives. You know, like you don't have yeah. to like, you know, own a business to be an entrepreneur. Just like the fact that we have to like manage like these schedules and these obligations and like, and some of us are way better at it than others. And I think like when you look at the way you can manage your day-to-day life, like how that sort of those skills transfer over to like running a business. And yeah, so we're all, we're all entrepreneurs in some sense. Amazing. Well, thank you for yeah. saving me there. And I'll keep that in the, in the episode there. Yeah, but, no, um, you, makes sense to me. I got you. Well, and also like kind of off of that, you know, a lot of our friends here have had babies in the last year or two. And so we've yeah. got like four or five, one and a half and under. And because these people are more or less my age, I'm like, and I'm in my early thirties, I'm like, what do you mean you are responsible for another human life? Like that in and of itself is entrepreneurship, learning how to develop this, I don't want to say product, but this baby, this life and like the structure. And I had never thought of it like that. You're budgeting things, you, uh, you know, you have calendars that you have to manage, you have different people in your life that you have to keep happy. And it's like, yeah, you're an entrepreneur of your household and just, yeah, all of it. Yeah. And, and like, I think, I think the idea that like no one, from what I've heard from friends, like no one knows what they're doing and they're, you know, you're having to learn along the way is so entrepreneurial as well. Yeah. And then there's books you can read, but there's like all these different opinions on the best way to do it. And you kind of have to just like trust your gut on so many things, right. And follow your intuition. And like, that's why when I wrote my book, I was so mindful of like not giving off the like sense that like this is the way right like mm. I, didn't, I was no like I clearly was no expert in what I was doing I it, but I was my goal with the book was to share learnings that I had along the way and then hopefully people could apply those to their own businesses and their own approach so keeping it like loose enough where there's some flexibility there but also some you know gui- guidance around yeah. those important to me yeah yeah well and like I think, you know, even if someone didn't want to go into developing a product that then they sell and try or, you know, develop and try to sell later on, yeah. like, I think, again, it goes back to the the honesty and transparency in your writing and storytelling that it's relatable in terms of like, what you're thinking about how you're thinking about solving problems, like how you're balancing different things. And I think so much of having a boost of confidence is knowing that you're not alone in whatever yeah. journey you're going through. And so that was something that I really, again, just really liked in the book, because sure. although I don't want to attempt what you were doing, it's like, this is relatable, I can learn. Yeah. I took notes, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. all relevant. Glad that, I'm glad that's how it's how it's resonated with you. That was my goal. And I also I didn't want people to think, oh, you have to be a CPG entrepreneur to really relate to this. It's like anybody really, and even not, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're just a hobbyist or just anybody going through like a career change, you know, that was hopeful that they would take something away too. A career change, unexpected life events, you know, balancing things that that are more challenging than you were expecting. I mean, I think it's all, it's all very relatable. So I think you did a great job with that. Thank you. You're very welcome. We're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back with Jamie. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers pots and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios walkways and gardens with the home depot's mother's day savings event happening now get vigoro potting soil just $8.97 for strong healthy vibrant plants indoors and outside start your mother's day shopping and saving today by checking out the home depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery Options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. We are back on If I'm Honest with Julia Landauer and with Jamie Schmidt. So Jamie, talk to me about pickleball because mm-hmm. I'm personally a tennis girl. I became a tennis girl over the summer and I have yet to try pickleball. It is okay. on my list. We have courts, but talk to me. Yeah. That's, that's clearly a big part of your life at this it's, point. It's so. huge right now for me. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I was a tennis girl too at one point in my life. I played varsity tennis all four years in high school. So like I took it very seriously and was, was good at it. Um, but then I sort of gave up sports, you know, for a big chunk of my life. I was never, I never considered myself much of an athlete. You know, I was healthy in the sense I tried to get enough exercise and things, but as an entrepreneur, I was busy. It wasn't a priority. And I also never thought I would really pick up a new sport. And then I was introduced to pickleball in my community. I moved down to California from Portland about three years ago. And I live in a community that has tennis courts and pickleball courts and decided to take class um, and fall in love really quickly. Uh, my husband and I both together took an interest, a strong interest, um, and then just start playing all the time. We've been playing for about a year. Um, so still really new. How still cool, learning, yeah. Uh, but like definitely feel like I've, you know, at a, at a turning point, I've mastered a lot of things that are difficult to master, and but there's so much more to learn. And it's just, it's just amazing. And I know it's like such a trend right now, which is fun. I think I, I jump on the bandwagons of trends I'm realizing and like, but this one like just feels so right, you know, to me in, in a lot of ways. And it's, it's changed my life, you know, not to be cliche and cheesy, but like really, really has. Can you dive into a little more about what what about it has yeah. changed your life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, physically, like the, it's an incredible workout. Uh, you burn a ton of calories and I've been, you know, I think I'm in the, one of the best physical shapes I've been, you know, my, my whole nice. life. And then the friendships you create, you know, you connect with people you would never otherwise, you know, have met um, out on the court. And I think it's cool that, you know, it doesn't matter your background or, you know, even your like religious or political affiliation or what, what have you. It's like when you're on the pickleball court, you know, you're creating something fun together and powering through like, you know, some uh, you know, challenges and it's, it's cool and it's bonding. Yeah. Um, and I also just like being outside. I've spent 15 years in Portland and, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, but, but very rainy, you know, mm-hmm. very much of the year. Uh, so it was indoors a lot. I grew up in the Midwest and that's, you know, somewhat limiting at different times of year too. Um, so being in SoCal and being able to play pickleball year round is, is such a treat. I'm very thankful for that. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Are are any of the and again, I, I I see people playing pickleball, so I know it's different. And we have friends, so it is on our to-do list. Yeah. Um, to do that. We're just also trying to get better at tennis. D- do some of the skills from tennis transfer over, or were you really like learning a completely new sport? Yeah. So some will transfer. I you'll know a, you'll know a tennis player on the pickleball court when you see one. Like it's very obvious with their strokes and mm-hmm. their court positioning which is beneficial in some ways, but it hurts in some ways too, because uh, the court positioning and strategy around where you should be standing is very different in pickleball. You're supposed to come up to the kitchen line, which is that line right up by the net. But as tennis players, we're inclined to stay back and just mm-hmm. hit more strokes. Um, so the pickleball really ends up like at the kitchen, it's called um, the non-volley zone, mm-hmm. where you are either in a dink battle where you're hitting very short shots or you're in a hands battle where you're volleying back and forth quickly. 
um, the ground strokes are more at the beginning of the point. Um, so as a tennis player, you know, it's all, it's mostly ground strokes. There's some net play, but it's, um, it's, it's very different in that sense. But I think I've heard that more advanced pickleball players tend to mostly have a tennis background. So mm. I think like getting past some of the, the challenges of having the habits from a mm. tennis will eventually, once you get through that, then, then it all sort of comes together and yeah. Has pickleball been around long enough that there's like set techniques for different types of stroke? I'm assuming it has been, right. but like, yeah, like- it, but it's only picked up in popularity over the last like five years. So it started really during COVID, like the onset mm-hmm. of COVID, so most people started to play. Um, but it's changed. The game has certainly developed a lot. I watch pro pickleball too. And I'm very into that scene, and so I know kind of what's trending or, and like what style of play is most popular. Um, it's becoming a more aggressive and faster game, hmm. uh, where before there was a lot of, you know, slower shots, which is still a very important component of the game, but there's a lot of things like, like the technology around the paddles has advanced. And so there's the ability to, to really slam the ball, mm-hmm. uh, but still so much, you know, skill in knowing when to slam the ball and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting too. I've heard other people say that, like, if you look forward maybe two years from now, how it'll probably have changed again. And so I think that's what's really cool is like being involved, you know, in sort of the beginning years and, uh, and then hopefully growing with it. Yeah. Are there specific pickleball shoes? Like there are tennis shoes? Yeah, there are actually. And I've been through multiple brands um, and I found the brand that works. If anybody needs a recommendation, it's the Wilson, (laughs) Wilson women's pickleball shoe. And it's like, it has a lot of, it has a big toe cage. It's called Mm. (laughs) toes have room to move because you, you're, there's so much lateral movement and it mm-hmm. does it does serious damage to like your toes and your nails and you get all cramped and so I've done I've tried a lot of different brands and that one has really been good for me okay cool I <laughs> I think I have to get new um tennis shoes I think mine are just a little tight because I notice it like if I try to like run towards the net and like slide yeah away, if you're feeling your feet or your toes like I feel like there's, then something's not right with it's the shoe. too small you shouldn't even notice it yeah it's, yeah that's fair yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know this. Do they only play pickleball on hardtop or is it also like a clay and a grass that they do? Uh, it's notice? only hard right now, but there's also indoor, mm. um, which is also hard, of course. But um, yeah, there's no like clay. Yeah. I have yet like- to play tennis on clay, but I'm getting old enough now that I'm feeling the effects of tennis on hardtop yeah. on my knees. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised. I tried to play tennis recently and my son plays. And it's like pickleball has kind of ruined my tennis game a little bit. <laughs> How I think so? If you're, because the well, the paddle is so much shorter than the racket, and so like you that messes with your head a little bit. There's this you know the swing um, form, and just like the ball is so different. What I've That's heard true. is that it's easier to like if you're playing both sports, it's easier to go like from tennis to pickleball versus from pickleball back to tennis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Yeah, I have friends that play both all the time. Like if one woman plays tennis in the morning and then that night she'll come play pickleball. And it's just like, yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah. But you realize how huge the court is when you Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. I can't yeah. believe I used to turn around and play singles. Yeah. Well, we like, see that because they're in here in Charlotte, at least they're starting to add a lot of the pickleball lines to tennis courts. Yeah. And, and you're like, what is this wimpy like, little court? Is, no, that your words <laughs> not mine. But yes, what's this cute little court doing here? Yeah. No, it is. It's it's wild because I did I played tennis doubles and singles, but um a lot of singles in high school and I couldn't believe I can't believe now that I was able to take over that whole court. Yeah. It is there is something very empowering to me as I, you know, I've always been good at racing, but I wouldn't call myself really inclined in other sports. At least like in in middle school especially, like I wasn't particularly good at a bunch of other ones. Yeah. But with tennis now in my more recent life like it is really satisfying when you like hit the ball in the right part of the racket and it has that force and like especially playing with my husband now but he clearly has got more heft behind his swing and so like when I hit it well and it's like low to the net and then it gets all the way I don't even know the technical words but into the back part of the the court like oh my gosh I am a rock star I think that's why racket sports are so satisfying because yes it's very much like you hit you hit the perfect shot feels good and you can see you know incremental improvements in your game and that's one thing people say about pickleball is like it's it's not hard to learn which is cool so that means a lot more people can can join um but it's hard to master so you can get to a certain level 
and play well. But if you really you know want to advance your game, there's like so much. There's so much strategy that is just unseen. You know, yeah. until you really get into the game. Yeah, uh, that's why I like about it too, because it's a challenge to you know constantly keep upping my my level. Oh, totally. But I get what you're saying about like you know you can constantly see that improvement and that's beneficial. And like even with tennis, like Ben yeah. will he will watch more videos than I do and get the technique, and then we go to the court. I'm like, oh shit, you're you're significantly better at this yeah, now than you were last time put- too. And then but then he'll try to coach me. I'm like, wait, we started this at the same time. We are at the same level. <laughs> Back yeah. up, you know. But no, like that's just you know me being competitive and like, but but it's so fun that we're learning together and that we can play as doubles partners and. Um, I also like to mix it up and do all women's pickleball. He'll do mm. men's and then we'll come together and do the mix. So we make a really good team as mix partners. So that's fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have some of our female friends who've played tennis, but I haven't played against them. So I've primarily been playing against our guy friends Yeah, and there's sometimes they're luckily they're, they're a little nice to me on their serves because those can be yeah. so intimidating to see, oh like, especially those who have taken lessons, but it's so cool. I think it's a really fun group sport. And even though racing, it's an individual sport in the sense that I'm maneuvering the machine across in the competition, but it really is a team sport in terms of everyone else is working on the car. You know, we all need to communicate. Like you have your crew of like, depending on the series, six, 12, 20 people, whatever it is, and everyone has a part and you need to communicate with the crew chief and everything. But in terms of the camaraderie of a yeah. team sport, that's not something I ever got. And I can see like just how cool it is to kind yeah. of, even though again, tennis is, we played a lot of doubles, but um, yeah. yeah, the social element I think is really cool. Totally. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Especially because I feel like Ben and I are very good at being homebodies. And especially like when I was really pursuing racing really hard and constantly pitching sponsors and trying to make it yeah. there. We're just home a lot and we like each other so we can spend a lot of time together. But getting out and being more social yeah. has been a more concerted effort that I think we also feel the effects of, you know, kind of how COVID normalized kind of being isolated a little bit. Right. And then we need it's to re-enter easy to be isolated if you like your partner. <laughs> yeah, right. Which like, it was good. Sad. We want that. Right. We're glad that we get along. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious because you, I love that, like you're referring to racing. It's like a sport. And I, you know, I just hadn't thought of it in terms of like the athleticism behind it. And do you like train? Like what kind of oh, yeah. like, like physical preparation to sit in the car? Yeah. Well, first I'm curious, uh, how would you have classified it if not a sport? Um, more of like, um, like a pastime, I guess, is that the right word? Yeah. When I think of like a sport at face behind, I would, you know, think of, yeah, like the physical activity of moving your body, but you're yeah. sitting. So I am genuinely curious, yeah, what that looks like. Amazing story time. So um, there is this barrier to entry because everyone has played most of the traditional sports in school, like have a sense of what it's like. But most people can, unless they've done go-karts or something, like you equate it to driving on the road. And it's super different, super different. So I think the best way to kind of describe it is it's a mix of endurance and, and some strength, but um, in Matt, like you're muscling around a machine, you're having to have strong upper body strength because you're having to maneuver the steering wheel and there are the G forces of not only going through the corners, but then if you have banking, you're fighting the G forces. And, um, you know, if you crash, you're having to deal with G forces there, um, in stock cars. I mean, in most, most racing gets quite hot, but in stock cars in particular, the motors up front and there's no air conditioning and there's no anything like that. So it can be 150 degrees in the car. So then you have to incorporate heat training into that. And then on top of that, especially at the higher levels, you know, races are two, three, four hours long. So you're focusing on maximum. One race. NASCAR is like four hours long. Yeah. Formula Mm -hmm. one's an hour and a half, but so think you think about it as you're having to make these incredibly precise split second decisions in terms of your, where your, your entry point is when you turn in, how you're using the brake, whether that's a road course left and right or an oval. And so you're making all these incredibly fast paced decisions against other cars that are trying to pass you and you're trying to keep them behind you. And the heat. And so there's a lot of that. And like neck strength yeah. is a big thing. Um, and so, I mean, hey, neck strength. Neck strength. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. 
Yeah. And one of the things I imagine your body just being like so tight the whole time, just like, yeah, well, and it's so interesting because, um, you know, when you're in the car, you are strapped so tightly, right? Like you don't want, you want it to be so tight that you feel like you can't really breathe properly, but then you also have to have really good breathing so that you're not like holding your breath as you're going 150 miles an hour. Right. Cause that's not good, but, um, you're, you're kind of cramped down. And so you're so compressed and the body does not like being compressed. So, so much of the training we do is how to be in that compressed seating position, but still maximize your breathing. And so we're talking about like, I have, I've always worked with a specific motorsports trainer. And mm-hmm. so it's stuff like lying on your back and putting a medicine ball on your chest mm-hmm. and having to like extend your legs so that you're working your core and it's contracted. And then you're yeah. also having this pressure on your chest and then having to breathe in. So there's stuff like that. And then there's all the neurological visual training that you have to do. Again, mm-hmm. you're, you have to listen you're in the sport and you have to listen to people like your spotters talking to you, making sure you're not hitting things. And, you know, your crew chief, you need to be able to articulate what you need the crew chief to change on the car when you come in for a pit stop while right. you're still racing right. you know, with other people. Oh my goodness. I could go on forever, but yes, it's so a, it's, it really yeah. is. Like I it totally makes sense. Now I'm just putting myself in that position of like, yeah, how it's, it's a sport. It's a hundred percent sport. Yeah. If you think about, I think the only way to equate it to road driving, I would say is like, if you're think about in a high traffic area or high stress when you're driving, although that's probably a lot more negative feeling emotionally, the physical effect on your body, I think is what drivers go through a lot. So if you think of the tension you feel when you've gone through stop and go traffic, or if someone pisses you off or something, it's like that the whole time, but with a more positive emotion. Yeah. It's so kind of exhilarating. And the mental side of it is so huge. So huge. And especially like, like in oval racing and NASCAR racing, you know, there are some times where there's a long green flag run, no one's crashed or spun, but you're kind of strung out. And so you're just accelerating hitting the perfect mark turning in turning out and like just doing that it's kind of monotonous for a very long time so staying focused so that you don't lose that it's it's exhausting have you been hurt i know we're getting off topic sorry no that's okay no this is a conversation um i luck so i've had one we've all crashed i like to say that if a race car driver says they haven't crashed then they are not going fast enough but um there are different kinds of crashes there are crashes where you know, you hit up against the wall and it's enough to break something in the suspension so that you can't keep driving, but it's like not spectacular. There are other ones that are spectacular. If a wheel falls off, like, cause people either get flat tires or sometimes the, the nuts aren't strong enough. And so, or they're damaged yeah. or whatever, and they come off and then you just have a snap kind of crash. And that I think is typically a lot scarier cause it's less predictable. I've had two really scary crashes in my life so far. One was I was racing in these cars called Ford Focus Midgets, which are very funky, like high center of gravity, exposed wheels. They kind of look like a triangle, but like on wheels, like kids' toys cars, yeah. kind of what they look like. And my axle snapped coming out of the corner. And so I just lost all of that lateral grip and I just went straight into a wall. And something in the front, I went head on into the wall, something in the front of the car broke and hit my knee. And so I still have the scar on my knee from like something just went through it hurt right around my kneecap. I couldn't get out of the car. And so we have to get out of the car by climbing up the top. And so when I did not get out, I think my family was a little afraid, but it was just because my knee hurt. But then the other one was I was racing something called Legends cars, which they look like 1930s cars, but at like a quarter scale or like three eighths scale. And we were racing in Roseville, California. So just outside of Sacramento. And all of a sudden, the front lights on fire. And let me tell you, you don't know your fight or flight response as much as like when you're around fire. And um, it turns out that a seal on the oil reservoir had broken or cracked or something. Yeah. And so oil was just getting onto the motor. But that was very scary. That was probably the most scared I've ever been in a car because then you have to like unbuckle and get out and you're, it's a live track. Like hopefully yeah. no one's going to oh, hit you, yeah. but like there are other cars on track. So, wow. Yeah. And yeah, I like how you said that the whole crew is like, is your team. Like, yeah. like they're, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it, again, it's an individual sport in the sense that the driver is driving the car, but right. in races that have pit stops, you can lose a lot of positions if your yeah. crew doesn't do their part, or you can gain a lot of positions if they do an amazing job. And we couldn't go racing if the team wasn't working on the car all week. Mm-hmm. And something I was talking about, because I give corporate keynotes a lot, and I was talking with a 
corporation, a tech corporation. And they asked if we could talk about leadership because the the leaders who were at that conference, they aren't the bosses necessarily of the people who are working for them. Like they don't hire them, but they still have to motivate them to do well. And it's kind of similar to the drivers that the team owner hires all the people, all the crew guys work for the team owner. But as a driver, no, I basically, I'm an independent contractor that goes to the team, but I still have to motivate the whole team and inspire and be a, a good team player. So there are a lot of those dynamics that I think, aren't obvious right away yeah. when thinking of motorsports, but it's a, an incredibly dynamic uh, sport. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Is it gendered? Like, or is it mixed? So it's, it's historically mixed. And one of the okay. things that I think is really cool is that it is co-ed. I really love that, yeah. you know, you can, you can race together because it's not sheer strength. It's not, you know, where biologically men may be bigger or stronger. It doesn't, it's not as much of a necessity, yeah. um, but they are starting to do more women's series. And I've I've spoken about this before that when I first heard of all women's series, I wasn't a fan of them because I, again, just love that it's co-ed. I love that we can yeah. prove that we're as good as the guys. Right. Yeah. But someone, and I can't for the life of me remember who this was, but someone had said, well, yeah, but if you have an all women's series, you're normalizing seeing 15, 20, 25 women racing all together. Yeah. And so in terms of representation, in terms of showing that they can do it, it's really powerful. So long answer yeah. to that is that there's starting to be some all women series, um, one that's backed by the Formula One group. Um, and so yeah. I'm hoping that it's more successful because um, funding is a big issue like any any startup, okay. any company. So yeah, yeah it's a- Amazing. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Sorry we took it away from you, but um <laughs> No, I, I really invested by it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I have taken a lot of your time. So I want to I want to go into our our last bit of this podcast, which okay. is the rapid fire, if you're honest. Yep. So Jamie, what is the your favorite country that you've visited? Oh, um, Italy. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a daily non-negotiable? Oh. Good sleep. Mm. Like I'm willing, I'll flex occasionally for like the right, for the right situation. Like if it's a night out with friends, I'm like, okay, I'll prepare for like maybe getting seven instead of nine hours. Right. You prepare a week in advance. Yeah. Yeah, No, I I need my sleep and I I love it. And that's one thing I'm just not not willing to compromise. Do you have a favorite mantra? It's, it's, it changes all the time. When I was building my business, it was, I say yes now and then figure out how. And I became, mm. that became kind of um, attached to my name. Um, and now it's kind of like you be, be here now, sort of in the moment, be present. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it depends on kind of what I'm going through in my life and what sort of mindset I'm in. I like those though. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. All right. Last, if you're honest, what is something that you're grateful for right now? Oh gosh, my my health and my family. Um, my son, poor son, broke his elbow just two days ago, and oh, I really, no. and it's like small, you know, but still like a broken bone, and like seeing your kid hurt, and just putting things in perspective, and realize, you know, and just like realizing how much worse it could have been, and how much you know he matters to me, and and how much how important my health is, and how vulnerable we are. Yeah, yeah. life is precious. I feel yeah. like when we get reminders of that, it's like a real. Yeah, a punch in the gut because I don't mean it that negative, but it's like a, a kick in the ass. Yeah. That you know, it's good though. It's good to have those. And I told him that this is actually good for you. Like you know, you lived a semi comfortable life, and you know things are going to come up as you yep. age, and it's good for you to experience discomfort. <laughs> there we go. I'm all yeah. about experiencing discomfort. So, yeah. Jamie, I will be linking your book. Um, is there anything else you'd like to highlight, or for listeners, if they can follow you somewhere, if they can. Yeah, I'm most active probably on Instagram, um, been a little more so lately. I'm I'm trying to share a little bit more about like my pickleball journey and hoping Mm -hmm. to inspire other people who are new to the sport. And so that's interesting. Reach out to me. But yeah, it's it's just Jamie Schmidt, J-A-I-M-E Schmidt. Perfect. I will put that in the notes. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Everyone, that is our show. Thank you for letting me and Jamie be honest with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else who might, you know, review the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.